Welcome to this season of the Impact Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Jackson Lucas Executive Search. I am your host, Chris Papa, and with me this season is my buddy and colleague, Jackson Lucas Associate Partner, Michael Mike Sonin. How you doing, Michael? Doing well, Chris. Excited for the season. Nice, man. I am as well. Uh, we have a very impactful interview today to get the season started. Uh, stay tuned for that. But right now, let's jump into season four with a segment, a new segment we like to call Instant Impact. All right, Chris. These are the stories we're following right now that we feel will bring an instant impact to our community. For starters, Google announced that starting April 4th, employees are required back into the office for about three days a week in some of its offices. It's the first step to end policies that allowed remote work because of COVID-19 concerns. An internal email on told employees in the San Francisco Bay Area that advances in prevention and treatment, the steady declines in cases we continue to see and the improved safety measures we have implemented. Now mean we can officially begin the transition to the hybrid work week. Chris, how do you feel about this announcement? Is Google still a workplace trendsetter? And will we see more companies follow their lead? Well, that was great news um, for uh, com companies. I think that uh, a lot of companies have been waiting for the big boys to bring, you know, the trendsetters to bring back their employees. And Google is definitely one of those. And um yeah, I mean, I think no one really knows what to do, but with all the like the mass mandates and vaccine vaccination mandates being lifted, um, and seeing one of you know the premier companies in the world set the standard here, I feel like most companies will feel more comfortable having their employees back in the office, and I think that most companies probably want them back in the office, especially the more junior folks who don't really know about the company culture and need to sit by a more senior person to learn by osmosis. Yeah, for sure. Feels like we're in the bottom of the ninth of this thing, so hopefully we can move past it. And hopefully it's not a double header, Mike. Uh oh. Well, there's no MLB season, so I, know. I don't think it. that's going to happen. That's it. <laughs> uh, number two, Chris. An interesting article in BizNow says that COVID has turned affordable housing development into a high wire act. For season three, you did an entire series of interviews with affordable housing in the spotlight. What was your biggest interview uh, takeaway from these interviews? Well, good question. I mean, affordable housing as I mean, Mike and I, you've, you and I have been recruiting for this industry for 10 years or so. And initially it was not many people knew about the players out there. And now all the players are the bell of the ball. Everyone wants to dance with them. It's a hot industry. Uh, competition to get deals done is higher than ever. Um, big institutional players are getting into the field. Uh, talent wise, which is our expertise, it's, it's even harder to find folks because there's a limited talent pool and the people that have the experience are demanding higher wages. So, uh, that's kind of where we are with that. And that was the biggest takeaway that there are some that, and along with that, there's a, you know, a lot of talented folks who are looking to change the world through affordable housing. Yeah. Super interesting stuff. 
Um, I remember six, seven years ago, nobody wanted to work in affordable housing. Now it seems like everybody wants to get involved. So um, exactly. a recession-proof asset type, they say. That's what they say. Everyone needs housing. That's right. And the last one from today, uh, even with companies like Google asking employees to come back to the office, an article on wealthmanagement.com states that growing demand continues to drive new data center development and that the pandemic accelerated the use of digital platforms and cloud services, generating a surge in data center development that is attracting tons of capital. Chris, it sounds like companies are banking on remote work being the new normal in the post-COVID era. If your company's hiring, is remote work a, a must-have perk to offer candidates? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically the new normal. Um, if you're not offering that, I mean, we're, we're, we've had, we have clients that we're trying to, we have to educate them like, hey, if they're, if they're looking for somebody in the office five days a week, if they're not paying top of the, they got to be some trade-off. Like if they're not paying top of the line wages, then they have to be at least give like a three-day work week, maybe Monday Mondays and Fridays off. Um, so there is a balance. There's another factor that goes into, into every offer. It's just like some people want carry in their offers. They'll take a lower base salary for more carry in a deal or a fund or whatever. So as part of it's, it's, it's all part of the, the offer letter. And, uh, I'm, I'm confident that within a couple of years, maybe even a year, it's going to be expected to be back in the office, like at least four days a week. I, mean, I agree. And I think the biggest impact that will have is working from home will actually feel like working from home again. Yeah. It'll be special as opposed to like, exactly. A nice little again. break. <laughs> yeah. I call them mental health days. You take a lot of mental health days. Because you need them, buddy. That's right. That's right. So that wraps up Instant Impact. It's time for our Impact interview brought to you by Jackson Lucas Executive Search. At Jackson Lucas, our goal is to provide solutions to your most important asset, people. Talent acquisition is time-consuming and challenging. At Jackson Lucas, we bring a research-driven approach that is both streamlined and exhaustive. Firms partnering with Jackson Lucas will benefit from our industry experience and expertise, rigorous due diligence, and candidate development. Please reach out to us at jacksonlucas.com, J-A-C-K-S-O-N-L-U-C-A-S.com. Michael, today we have an amazing guest. We met her at AHF Live in Chicago. We played a lot of ping pong with her. Her name is Stacy Kaplowitz. She's the Vice President of Development at KCG Companies, which is headquartered in Indianapolis, but she is based out of Maryland. She's awesome. Uh, we learned a lot from her. She is a great personality. I wish she would uh, join us in the recruiting world because she'd be a great recruiter, I think. Very excited to speak with Stacy and learn about her path to affordable housing startup. She's a star. All right, Stacey, great having you on here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, good to see you. Where are you? Uh, last time Mike and I saw you, we were in Chicago yeah. uh, playing ping pong, which yes, was pretty awesome. Like I saw that you're a really good ping pong player. I'm natural. Um, you're a natural. It's mm -hmm. your, your first time playing, and it didn't show at all. Um, <laughs> where, where are you now? Where, where um, are you located? 
I am located in our Mid-Atlantic office, which is my home here in Rockville, Maryland. <laughs> um, coming out of a quarantine and a school day, a snow day. So it's been a fun week. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very snowy on the East Coast today. Yes, it is. How many uh, How many kids do you have? I have two, two little boys. I have an 8-year-old and a 10-year-old. Um, and it's been a rough a rough uh, coming back after the new year because we've had what everyone else is experiencing. So it's been like COVID. Yeah. COVID and, you know, weather, wet, extreme wetness and systems that don't know what to do when it snows. And so it's been a rough week, but a good one. I, uh, yeah, my whole girlfriend's family, like 12 people got COVID from Christmas dinner. And so we were supposed to go away and all this stuff. And, uh, it was, I mean, you're amazing. I, we love Mike and I loved meeting you hey, in person. Finally. Likewise. Likewise. It was so much fun. Um, what, what is it like? I mean, if, if any of these questions get too personal or whatever, you, you can tell us to stop and we can, we can edit it out. But like, what is it like being uh, a woman <laughs> in real estate development, affordable housing development? And then also like, Having two kids and doing that. I mean, I know it's, those are like big questions and you seem to be doing it very successfully, or at least, you know, you've risen to the very high ranks in this this field. Um, And Mike and I do the recruiting for this field and we don't see a lot of higher level women. So I'd love to hear what your keys to your success have been. Well, thank you for that. I think, um, you know, you have a little, you, we, I have a little bit of that imposter syndrome where it's like, sometimes you take a step back and you're like, whoa, is this really me doing all of this? Cause I can't believe it. Like, um, because it sometimes feels like that I'm not in control of everything that's happening, like life and everything's getting thrown at you all at once. And COVID especially, um, has just really made everything blend together, like family, school, you know, everything is just in one big, big pile. Now, um, for me, work has been a grounding, uh, almost way for me to kind of organize my thoughts and feelings and not lose my mind during this time. And so, whereas like maybe 10 years ago, I would think, oh, I couldn't have, I would never thrive in a pandemic situation with two young kids in elementary school and a very challenging and dynamic job. Now I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I think my job saved me. I really do. I mean, it was just something that I could escape to and I feel so strongly about it. So, you know, it, I knew it was relevant and it's important and I couldn't just like check out. So it's hard and I love talking about it. I love that you you dudes are asking about it because I think, <laughs> you know, in the beginning I was, um, I'm an emotional person, like people that know me and that have worked with me like what you see is what you get. Like if I'm really excited, you're going to feel that energy and I'm going to start the call probably on the verge of tears if like that's where I'm at. But I think that's why I've been able to kind of build a lot of authentic relationships in real estate. And um, and that's been really helpful, having those relationships as I've been kind of navigating through the pandemic and through my career and trying to figure everything out. But I guess I, I sort of got a little way late talking just now that I forgot my main, my main point. I was <laughs> sorry. I just, sorry. I was just talking about how 
just kind of grab You can do it. You can say whatever you want on here. Take it wherever okay. you want to go. Okay. Well, so I appreciate what you say about me being like uh, well-known, well-liked, well-respected because I've worked really hard at that. I think that is driven by these authentic relationships that I've spent a lot of time building. Um, these great people that I've met and, you know, I mean, even like Mike, Mike gives me a call and I'm like bullshitting with him on the phone and now I can't wait to see his wedding photos. I just think there's a lot of great people <laughs> in this industry. And so it was a, an, it, the industry itself and the job itself really carried me through as we continue through this pandemic. Um, I would say like in the last year, I, a lot of things have really been clicking for me. Like, I think it comes with like, holy shit, I, I am an adult. Like I am making these deals happen. Like these deals have to happen. I am in charge. I'm the oldest one on the team. Now, when did that happen? You know, it's like yeah. all these kind of realizations like crystallized and, um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's fun. I know I'm all over the map right now, so sorry about that. It's okay. I love it. Um, and so did you, I mean, just your career, like I'm just looking through your background. I mean, did you have like some sort of, did you even know what affordable housing was? Did, oh. did you have like some sort of like, how'd you get into this? What's your, is your parents into this? Like what's no, the, no, I have the best. Well, I love my origin story. Okay. My Tell dad, me your origin story. Yeah. How did you my become, this, how'd you become this affordable business. housing superhero, superhero? Right. My mom was a, a homemaker um, and she passed away 10 years ago. Unfortunately, my dad was in the film business. Um, we had a really close-knit family. My sister went into entertainment, you know, sort of following my dad's footsteps. I wanted to stay in college longer. And so I was like, I'm going to go to grad school. And I had known about the LBJ School of Public Affairs in Austin. And I loved UT Austin. I grew up in Dallas. And so I said, I want to go do public affairs grad school, which is what everyone says, like, don't go straight through. You should never do that. You should go work first, which I actually tell people all the time, even though that's not what I did. Um, and I went to graduate school <laughs> for public policy and it was fun. I met my husband. It was great. Um, I learned a lot and I got really involved in um, transportation advising. Like mm. I just was really interested in like security and infrastructure and transportation. And I had a cool profile. Light rails. Yeah. Like all that stuff. But I was, I was thinking more about freight. Like think about how okay. freight trains, like you've got, like you've got the goods, they come in on the ship, then they go on the train, then they go on the short haul truck. Then the truck takes Like I like thinking about all those like pieces and how they come together. Anyway, that yeah. was grad school had a great professor. He sets me up with a job in DC. I move out to DC. Um, I was going through like a personal, like I need, you know, I broke up with my boyfriend and I needed to like meet new people. And I, I thought you met your husband there. Well, we, mm. we dated on and Did off. Did you tell him you had a boyfriend? Oh, okay. no, this is boyfriend. We took a little break because I needed. To, oh, like, that's the same guy. Myself. Okay. Same yeah, guy. Same, same guy. guy. Okay. Dated for a long time. <laughs> so I get to DC and I'm like, I've got to branch out. And I signed up for an improv class with the Washington Improv <laughs> Theater. And it's That's like amazing. such a Michael Scott thing, right? You know, or like whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be so good at improv. And I go and I loved the class. I had a great teacher. Um, I had great classmates. Some of them went on to be like real legitimate actors, improvisers. I, it was just such a fun way to let out a lot of nervous energy and just be, and making people laugh. Like you guys are both funny dudes. Like it 
feels really good when you can make somebody laugh. It's like, oh, I said something funny. You know, I don't know. So <laughs> improv was so fun. And through that, I met a guy who was doing real estate advisory work for um, more like consulting for higher ed institutions, um, colleges, universities, and some municipalities. And they were looking for people that had good communication skills, what have you. So I had come out to D.C. doing this transportation job that was really kind of being a glorified secretary. Um, it was with a small firm that just didn't really know how to leverage my master's degree and all the work I had done. And so I was not really happy. And I'm in this improv class and I just go interview with this consulting firm. And I'm like, I don't know anything about like higher ed and facilities planning. And I don't have a planning background, but I have a public policy background. I can talk to people. I care about this stuff. And so I ended up going to work for this firm and it was great. We did so much improv for them. I never did. No. I've never no. performed improv in DC. So no. I'm working for this firm. I'm like building schools. It's amazing. I'm building charter schools. I'm working on the Rutgers housing master plan. I'm doing all this great stuff and meeting all these great people in higher ed. And that's where, Luke, um, that's where Luke, that's where, that's where Mike and I went to school. Rutgers. Oh my remember? gosh. I love Rutgers. That's remember great. We, we talked about, we talk, that. We we talked about that. We talked about that. Yeah. It was like late into the ping pong night. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Chris figured out how to escape New Jersey, though. I, I'm still trying Don't to figure out. Don't leave Jersey. <laughs> I love Jersey. Um, but R Rutgers is a great school, and uh, I think they really started ramping up the infrastructure and building um, when I left. Oh, okay. So all they needed, you know, all they needed from me was to yeah. Mike. Mike went. To, Mike's getting married near Rutgers, so I'm staying down there. I haven't been back in forever, so I'm super oh, excited man. to go check it out. What did you? What did, what did you work on there? Um, I'll check did, it out. I'll send you some pictures. No. Not any particular building. We came up with a long-term master plan for student housing. Oh, okay. So okay, it was okay. more of a academic exercise, well, not academic exercise, but like, you know, strategic planning for their facilities department. I oh, love cool. everyone that works there. And I, I, I really enjoyed the client side of that work, um, doing the consulting. But anyway, so I don't want to get stuck here. Okay, so I'm building, I'm building um charter schools in dc and i'm like going to the dc permitting office trying to like fight to get permits i'm like this is crazy and while i'm spending all this time up at dc government at the time a new mayor came in um, adrian fenty and he was going to like clean up schools in dc um and just really it, it was sort of this wave of the obama era where there was a lot of progressive change and young people coming in and i was like wow all this cool stuff going on in dc and that agency they're like GSA, which is like the facilities agency for, um, at the time it was called the Office of Property Management. They asked if I would come over to the district and help them like negotiate leases and strategize on like district owned property and excess property and kind of going through leases and stuff. So I left consulting. I went to the district, still just kind of taking improv classes. So this is like a government job. Yeah. Yeah. I went over to work for the government. I worked in downtown DC. It was crazy. Um, you know, like riding in an elevator with council member Marion Barry and having to give him talking points about a new lease and stuff, you know, just like meeting cool and interesting people. So I did that. Did any yeah. of your, did, who's the most, no, who's the most notable, uh, politician you met? in that role, in that role at that time yeah i mean i love mary i mean mary and barry is like a legend um yeah. in that role 
yeah, locally, he would probably be it. I mean, we interacted with the mayor and, you know, all of the council members, but, mm -hmm. um, how about the most, how about the, how about in your life? How about the most highly <gasps> okay, well so, politician in your life? Besides, besides Chris Papa. Besides Chris Papa. <laughs> I, when I was working with, um, what is now Kittle Property Group, it was Herman and Kittle Properties. Um, there was an event in D.C. and Jeff Kittle and Mike Roeder from Herman and Kittle or KPG came down to D.C. for it. It was a fundraiser for John Boehner when he was the Speaker of the House. And, you know, I like I'll come with I'll come. I'm in Rockville. I'll take the Metro down. I want to go meet John Boehner. So I go with them and I don't remember. I mean, it was a lot of people there. There were way more dudes um, all older white men and everyone's talking about golf. And I was just like, I get socially awkward. Like I get overwhelmed by the people and it's like, who do I talk to? I need like one person to glom onto to center myself. But like, there was no one really there. And then suddenly I like found myself next to speaker Boehner. And I don't remember what we ended up talking about. It wasn't golf. He was like talking about how he loves to mow his lawn. And I will tell you guys, <laughs> I am like, I'm, I'm generally bleed blue, even though, I would say I'm centrist, but like at the time, you know, John Boehner, it was like, he was like, oh my God, the other side for me. But then I'm like talking to him about mowing his lawn and he's from the Midwest and I'm originally from the Midwest. And I was like, he's so cool. And we're just chatting, chatting, chatting. And so when the dinner comes, you know, this was the reception, the, the lobbyist comes over and he said, oh, Speaker Boehner, you know, said you, you and your guys can like come to dinner. It was like a smaller group. Oh, nice. So I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you know, so we go to dinner and I'm seated next to him. He was not, at, he was not creepy. He was not, he was so cool. And he just wanted to, like, he, we were talking about how he mowed his lawn. He loves his cigarettes. He loves to drink, like all the stuff, all the stuff you want to talk about with a friend. All the stuff you, human. all the stuff you love. All the stuff I love. I don't smoke, <laughs> but I do love drink. But what did you, what did you order for dinner so that night? So he had, so this is this Italian restaurant. He had his own dish. It was like the penne alla Boehner. And so we all got that, you know, and everyone's like, oh, it's so good. It was so fun. He was the coolest ever. It was such a great dinner. I felt like I could be myself. I didn't have to talk shop, even though I was there to talk about shop. And frankly, those lobbyists never invited me to any more dinners. But maybe I like wasn't very helpful on behalf of affordable housing. But like, he was just so great. And I didn't get a creepy vibe. I didn't get anything but like, Here's a guy who like loves his job and cares about what he does. And like, we don't agree on everything, but we're having, it was just such a fun night. And recently his, um, he had a autobiography come out and I listened to it on audible cause he like reads it himself. And it was just like, I don't know. And it's sort of like this good old days feeling I have where I'm like, man, That's awesome. but that was so fun. That was so cool to be able to like really hang out with him. Like I've had the opportunity living out here to see, you know, I got to meet George W. when he was president. Like, so you get these like incredible opportunities because you live here. It's like when you live in LA and you're like having, you know, a latte next to Jay Z, and you're like, oh my god. So it's like that, <laughs> but not Jay Z. Instead, yeah. it's like you know, whatever. So it's cool. Yeah. But that John Boehner night stayed with me. I mean, it's still with me because I was like, wow, if I hadn't been bold enough to be like, Jeff, I want to go to this drinks event, you know, and I hadn't just kind of like nudged my way in, I would have missed out. And frankly, Speaker Boehner would have missed out too. Cause I think he probably had a fun time too. You know, it's like, it was, so, a, yeah, sorry. So ahead. some of the things I'm taking away from that is some of your successes, you're bold. Like you take chances, right? 
Yeah. That's a big chance. You, Cause you just said yeah. like, you, you, you said, I want to go. And then you struck up a conversation with. Yeah. I think I'm bold, Boehner. but I'm like totally uncomfortable, even though I'm being bold. Is that like a duality you're, that. You're fearless. fearless. You're fearless. And, and that's what makes you oh. who you are. You know, in what you do every day and, and what you stand well, for. Well, courage is being awesome. afraid and then walking through it anyways, right? So Okay, so I'm courageous. Um, you're obviously, you're super personable. That's, you know, Thank I you. feel like you can, you connect very easily. Like, you, I, you know, I knew you for five minutes and I felt like we were buddies. I know, right? we so go way back. Not everyone's like that, you know what I mean? So, it's, it's hard to do. Um, well, let me quickly and then also, finish. Oh, sorry. Tell me your Boehner, you got more Boehner? No, I wanted to just finish the origin <laughs> story because I don't want to leave it where I did without getting you to how I got to affordable housing. But I was taking too long. So I can kind of rush Perfect. through the second. No, no, there's no too long. Go ahead. Okay. Keep okay, it moving. So back to I'm D.C. government and I'm like, I hate living in D.C. It's really hard to just like be chill because everyone is just all about job, 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 job. And my husband's like, I know I miss Austin because at that point we're married now. And he's like, whoa, I got a job offer back in Austin. I'm like, we're going. It was 2007, 2008. So we moved to Austin. And I'm like, I can do anything. I've been in real estate. I've been a consultant. And it was 2008. You know, the market is like nothing's good. There's no real estate jobs anywhere. DMA development, which is uh, a Diana McIver, who is a legend in affordable housing development. Yeah. They were hiring. with DMA. Yeah, they were hiring for like an assistant. It was like a, an analyst role or an assistant project manager role. So I literally got in a car accident on my way. Like not an accident. Basically, I drove into a pole. So there was like no one to exchange numbers with. It was just like me in the pole. <laughs> <laughs> I, like drive, I was like getting to the interview. I was so nervous. And I get there and I walk in and I'm like sweating. And I'm, I walk into the room with Janine Sisak and Joellen Smith, who are still there at DMA. And I'm like, can I take off my jacket? And they were just like, they were like, who are you? You walk in here, like make yourself comfortable. But we had a great interview. And I remember I was like, I don't know affordable housing, but I have transferable skills and I can learn it. And like, I've done this kind of real estate. I've negotiated leases. I've, you know, right size. Yeah, what were the transferable skills? Um, well, good communication skills. I can, I can talk to anyone. Um, yeah. I am... Uh, I can be analytical. I can be intuitive. You got to be organized. You have to be able to, you know, knit a lot of things together. Like for me, it's like really being able to see the forest for the trees because development this is so overdone, but like it's hurting cats, you know, in development, you're talking to engineers, you're talking to architects, attorneys, you know, neighbors. And that's, those all require completely different filters. And, and you have to empathize with each of their perspectives or you're not going to resonate with them. So, you know, it's in that way, like I, and I think, you know, frankly, improv was like, helped me sort of be like, oh, I'm talking to a completely new person. I can't assume anything about them. So we get to Austin and I'm like, I'm going to keep taking improv classes, but I started performing down in Austin and everyone at DMA would come to my shows because they probably felt bad for me. But that was just awesome. <laughs> that was like, I was performing at a theater downtown. I was at DMA. I was like learning tax credits. I was learning TCAP. Um, it was right when all those sort of alternative sources came out when um, the tax credit equity wasn't closing the gap anymore because pricing dropped. And that was like where I think I really got my, like I really grew into who I am today. And um, 
it was awesome. And after a few years at DMA, Herman and Kittle and Kittle Property Group came, they were looking for a developer to run Texas. And I was like, maybe I can do it. And talk about being bold. No, you're right. I am bold. Because I was yeah, terrified. I was terrified. I thought like, I have never done this. Like I've never led these deals. I've only supported people doing it, but I've actually done a lot of the thing, you know, and it was just kind of one of these like self, like you can do it chats, you know? And I go over to Herman and Kittle and I think I struck out my first year and my second year with them in Texas, I got three, nine percent awarded and it was awesome. And then I think wow. that's when I peaked. <laughs> I've like never done a 9% from there. Downhill from there? No, yeah. No. Um, yeah, that was a, a – while I was at Herman and Kittle was a weird time because at, at, towards the end of my time at DMA was when my mom passed away and I had my first son. And then I go mm. over to Herman and Kittle and, um, you know, now I'm leading development in Texas. And while I'm doing that in my second year, I, you know, got pregnant again with my second son and then got in a really bad car accident on a work trip. Another car accident? I think this is like the one. No, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, the, one, the, the DMA one was a pull. This one was bad. I was driving. This was the pull was my fault. This was not. I was driving from Austin to Dallas um, for a meeting and I got hit by an 18 wheeler right outside of Waco. And I was Holy smokes. Yeah. And I was five months pregnant with my second, with my eight year old. Oh, Jesus. And so I was just like, yeah, it was scary and I was fine, but it was just like a mind fuck, you know, it was just like, yeah, traumatic. And so that, you know, it like sets you back in different ways or sets you forward in ways. And then I just sort of needed to like re, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a hard couple of years, but I grew a lot in this job or in this industry, I guess. And then we moved back to DC um, because for, for family reasons, frankly, and my husband was traveling here a lot for work. And so I, I, at the time, Herman and Kittle, I stayed with them and came back and was running affordable development of affordable deals for them in um, Virginia and Maryland. Um, and then went back to do some consulting with this other firm that was doing higher ed stuff because they were like, we're growing our P3 group and we want to do a lot more public-private partnerships. And I've always had these What's like- What's P3? Oh, public-private partnerships. Public-private partnerships. So I went to go work with them to try and help um, do some, I'm trying to crack the affordable housing nut in and around colleges and universities and yeah. support students. Um, but it, it didn't really, anyway, so we were doing that. We were doing work. I was back at Rutgers working with the amazing facilities department there. And, you know, I did a lot the of best. stuff. I, George Mason University, we got to work there, which is in Virginia, another great university. And just like of all my clients that I worked with in higher ed, Rutgers Camden was by far the best. And I'll tell you why. The every single person, even the staff level, like facilities administration people were there for the students. Like they were like, and, and most of the Rutgers Camden students are like blue collar or low income. And yeah. so like you hear, you can hear it in my voice. Like I get there's something about that that just is so much more compelling to me than high-end market rate, you know, competitive amenity housing. And so when yeah, you RJ, get to, like they say, the double the double bottom yeah, line, right? Yeah, absolutely. So RJ, who's the president now of KCG, when he had an opportunity to bring someone on to do Mid Atlantic, RJ was on this podcast. Remember? I know. I actually, yeah. Did you tell him you're going to be on? I might have. I don't think he was like that impressed. I was like, I get to be on Chris's no? podcast. No, 
I know. Maybe what, he what? just like he's not as emotive. He's trying to, he's trying to act I mean? cool. He's trying to act cool. I know. He was. He was. But yeah, he's like, <laughs> would you want to come on board and, and run development in Atlantic? And I'm like, yes. And here I am. So there nice. you go. Sorry, that was my story. Everyone but loves you. That, I'm, what I'm getting at is everyone loves you. You're probably very good at your job. I'm good at my job. I'm great at my job. Because I love it. So is your, is your favorite part, you know, in regard to development, the networking aspect and the relationship aspect, you know, meeting yeah. people, whether you're an engineer, an architect, or a, a, you know, a project manager in construction, a politician, you know, talking to community members, is that your favorite aspect of the job? Because, yeah. you know, we speak to developers all the time and everyone's kind of in the business for a, a different reason, right? Some people are in it to make money. Some people are in it to build communities and solve the housing crisis that we're in. Yeah. Why are you in the business? And is that your favorite aspect to kind of the, the, you know, the public and networking? Aspect? Yeah, I love that question, Mike. I haven't, you know, I think there are so many things I, I've said before. Like, this is my favorite thing about the job. So many little things. But I think you're right. Because, like, I get mm -hmm. my energy. Like, after ping pong night, I mean, after I left AHF Live, I realized how much I missed seeing people, like, interacting with people. And I I definitely have my, like, I need my alone time. And, you know, I like to have days where I have no calls. But I think when I'm so interested in people and their stories and figuring out how I connect with them, that that's where, that is where I draw my energy. And I think, I think that is one of my favorite things. Cause yeah, I mean, just before this podcast, I had a great call with some engineers we're working with, you know, spitballing about new opportunities. And I'm like, you know, I get off a call like that and I'm just like, I feel so full. I'm like, this is awesome. Oh, and I'm, I gotta underwrite this deal. And, so yeah, I think the the possibility that surrounds relationships and meeting people really just kind of is what drives me. But I will say like the the mission for me comes from um, so I'm Jewish and I was raised like very very um, culturally Jewish like reformed so I'm not very traditional. But I, I went to sleepaway camp and we always talked about this <laughs> thing. <laughs> What sleepaway camp? Uh, it was in Wisconsin called Olensing Ruby Union Institute. And as Rui, oh, wow. it was just, it was a reformed, it was like everyone wore fish and Grateful Dead t-shirts and Birkenstocks and we all like learned the guitar. <laughs> and yeah. um, it was awesome. But I remember we talked a lot and this like just stayed with me called of Takun Olam. Like the world is broken. Like we, we were delivered the world. It was broken. And like, you know, find your place to help like build it back together and put it back together and like make it a little better. And I like that. It's like, oh, I have this skill set, this superpower that I love people and that I've cracked the nut on tax credits. So if I can use my superpower for good and I get to drive my kids by a building and say, I got to name that. Let's go inside. I want you to meet like Betty who works like that to me is the ultimate. Like I have arrived. And I yeah. think double bottom line, like for me, that is, that's like in my mm -hmm. core of who I am. Um, I strongly recommend everyone read the book, The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. I think it came out in 2017. He is my hero. Um, and he, he put it all like right in there in a way that made me crystallize for me. Like, this is my path. Like I might not be a rabbi and I might not be a talk show host. 
and I might not, you know, have my own, you know, variety show, but I can do this and I can like, be <laughs> really successful. You could have your own variety show if you really wanted to. I know. Yeah, I could get like jugglers and, you know, Mike. You could do all in, you could do improv, improv you show. You could play ping pong. I know I don't perform anymore. I'm retired. Oh, I know. So it sounds like you've spent a lot of time in various different places, you know, throughout the country. What's your favorite place? And you can't say DC. Can I say Rockville where I live? I love my town. I love where I live. I'm on the housing authority. I'm a board member on our housing authority. Um, I love our city. I'm like such a geek for our city council meetings and our mayor. And I have no, absolutely no desire to run for office, but like I'm on the PTA and I love like being in the mix. Um, yeah, I like my own community because I feel so lucky. Like we really live in this great city where it's like Sesame street, you know, we have people of every age, every color, every ethnicity, we have every typology of housing on our street. So I get to like put my money where my mouth is. I get to show people that like I live next to housing with subsidy and that's okay. You know, my kids go to an amazing school. So it really is my favorite place to live, but I mean, Austin's so cool. When I was cool, Austin was so fun. You are cool. I mean, when I was like, when I would go out in anything other than, you know, like leisure wear, athleisure. (laughs) (laughs) You look good. My bold prediction prediction is you'll be, uh, You'll be the mayor. I will never, ever be the mayor. No, I won't do that. But I'll throw the big fancy party for who's running for mayor. You know? I, uh... My uncle's a developer. Yeah, we were a developer. My uncle's a developer, and he's well. My grandfather was a developer. He's not no longer alive, but he said it's not great. It's not good to be the politician, but the best friend of the politician. (laughs) That's right. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. be. We have. Yeah, I want to do work here. I want to do work in Rockville. I think that's a really professional and personal goal. Um, I mentioned I hope we're closing a deal at the end of this month in Sandy Spring, Maryland, that I am so, so proud of because it's the closest thing I've ever done to home. And I worked so hard and we've got, you know, so many different sources and moving parts and moving pieces and challenges. But like I said, I get to drive my kids by it, you know, and I get to know who the residents are and interact with them. And that's, um, so to be able to walk, walk to it, you know, a community that I helped create would just be awesome. I've always secretly wanted, I've always secretly wanted to be a developer and that's kind of like my dream. I want to like develop things like close by and like have like a whole block that I've transformed, helped transform, you know? Yeah. I would like to do, he could, Chris couldn't quite make it as a developer, so he figured he would recruit, recruit them and uh, interview them on his podcast. That's right. That's what I do. I think you would be well, a great it's... developer. You could do it, Chris. If you ever want an internship, um, send me your resume. All right. I'll come right over. It's Rockville. Well, I, Stacey, I know it's, it's cold outside, but are you ready for the hot seat? Hot Seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. 
They do this through services which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofits, startups, and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They have also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So. They outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple of days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe it doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com, K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. So our first question on the hot seat is, uh, what advice would you give to you know, somebody trying to enter the field of affordable housing? Um, I would say talk to a lot of people that, well, assuming that they, so this is such a Stacey thing to do to be like, well, are they, do they know what they want to do in the field or are they just trying to learn more? Cause I think like, <laughs> I think the answer is. Maybe they want to be a, uh, maybe a they, they're a young Stacy. Okay. And like, damn, I, yeah. I, how do I get to where Stacy is? You kind of yeah. went through your background, but like, what advice would you give? Right. I, I mean, be open to be kind and open to everyone. I think that's like number one, right? Like if you're interested in affordable housing as a career, I mean, I've told this to young folks that I've talked with, like Google groups that you think look cool online and, you know, reach out to the CEO and say, you know, would you be willing to give me 10 minutes? on a Zoom, I mean, this was during COVID, you know, to talk about what you do, I love your company. And some people will respond and some won't, but those that do will probably be impressed by your boldness or just by your interest. And and the more people you talk to, like, because I think the thing is there's this, this grass is always greener mentality. And especially, you know, like, like you said, Chris, like, oh, it's being a developer. Like, I still think like, oh yeah, being a developer, but it's like, you know, Every job is going to be difficult and challenging in its own ways. And so the more people you talk to about what they do and their experiences, the better you can figure out like what you think would work for you and what wouldn't. And, you know, I mean, go, you know, go talk to an attorney, go talk to someone who's in accounting. Like, you know, there, there are so many ways you can enter this industry. It's insane. Nobody comes to affordable housing the same way because we all ended up here accidentally. You know, unless your dad owns the company and you knew you wanted to do it because you saw your dad do it. I really, I really believe that. Like we've all sort of landed here and it felt right. And so if someone has any interest, I'm like, great. Like there's a young woman that I was working with on a project and, and she's on the public sector side. And she's like, oh, I think what you do looks so great. Like, great. You know, tell me five things you're interested in. And then I'm setting her up on like coffee, you know, Zoom coffee dates with people I know, because I'm like, you just need to talk to people before you say you think you know what you want. So ask lots of questions. Be have her talk to people. us. I'll have her talk to you guys. Please. And then she'll run away scared. No. Oh, yeah, you're recruiters. So, yeah. Duh. This is what Sorry. we do. I mean, we can I tell, know. we can give her the whole, we yeah, can give her the whole landscape of all the different job responsibilities and different companies. And, you know. That's great. I will do that. I mean, what I always think of is like, I always go, you know, I think of like Shannon or Emily Kate, like the people that are like these leaders and, you know, Emily runs HTCC and they're a powerhouse and, you know, all the developers are really, you know, behind the, you know, this, this association. So 
I try to, you know, she's so wonderful in terms of mentoring folks. You guys should definitely talk to her if you haven't. But like, so I just try to connect nice people to other nice people in the industry. And I'm like, just talk, just ask them what they do, get to know them, especially when you're not specifically like looking, looking for a job. I think having these like low stakes conversations are, I, it just really just like landed with me that I'm talking to recruiters right now and I'm telling you guys <laughs> this, but when I do give advice, I'm like, just like reach out to people that you think seem interesting. Like the worst that's going to happen is they ignore you. And if they don't, then you get to engage with them. Welcome, welcome to our job. Be, I know. <laughs> be, be fearless. You got yeah. nothing to lose. I, I love that. I Stacey love that. thought we were just ping pong players and podcast hosts. That no, our jobs. no, it just it made me realize, like, <laughs> Chris, I always thought if I went back and, like, did it all over, no, I wouldn't change my current job, but I always thought, wow, I think I would be really good at recruiting. Yeah, I, I thought every time, every time I, I thought that earlier in this podcast, too, I'm like, how do we get her to be a recruiter? Because I'm like, I want to know you so bad, and then I care about you. So then I want to make sure wherever you go is going to be great. And then I'm going to worry about that and watch you succeed. So like, that's why I think I would be a good recruiter. Well, when you retire. Okay. One day. I'll spot for you. Okay. Spot well, for thanks. You. Thank you. What, um, specific challenges, if any, have you, you know, faced just being a woman in this field? I mean, I, do you find that there's more women in affordable housing than general real estate in general? And two, um, was it hard to maneuver? Was it people like, I don't know. I just develop. you see specific roles in the industry that are more, yeah. you know, more women are in and then less, you know, development seems to be like a male dominated field. Yeah. I mean, I think was, that's changing. I think that's changing like rapidly and, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, I've been, my peers are like, you know, I was raised by Diana McIver you know, and her fierce women. So like, I've, I've been really, um, I've had really badass women in my life. Jean Latshaw, she's with like, you know, Carla Burke, who's my, who's my boss now, like really strong women that have like reminded me that it's okay to be like, not, you know, to be powerful and try and, you know, get myself in there and not give up. Um, I have also been grossed out by men, you know, and like, that's just, I hate being like, eh, it's just, it is what it is. You know, there, um, I think in recent years, I felt more like comfortable speaking up and being like, that's gross. Don't talk to like, like, don't talk like that in, in the rare events that it happens. But I mean, you go to these conferences and people are drinking and hanging out and like sometimes decorum takes a shift and I don't know. So I've had, I've had a few instances that have been gross, but I would say for the most part, um, there've been enough women in the room that it hasn't been too bad. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. In Chicago, in Chicago a month and a half ago, there, there was a lot of women. There. Yeah. Oh so my God. I know. Cool yeah. It was, uh, you know, it seems like more and more women are, you know, growing through the ranks yeah. and really, you know, being appreciated in this business, which is there awesome. are, and there are so many women leaders for like, like what I think is really cool to see now is young dudes learning from these women, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah. it's going to be an interesting, yeah. um, 
just kind of seeing, I always thought like we were the youngest in the industry and now I'm seeing, you know, my peers are being promoted and, and I'm considered like an old dog in the industry now, you know? So it's like looking yeah. at all these young folks and I'm like, what are you guys going to do? Like, you're going to do great things. And how are you going to like tweak and improve? And you see these, these firms that are really innovating, like there's this whole new crop of firms Formula. I think KCG, um, you know, you look at like Fairstead, Lincoln App, like these groups that are younger, but they're being bolder in the market and being more yeah. um, creative. And so that's cool. You know, that's a lot of capital flowing in yeah, that direction. Yeah. And we're all evolving and it's interesting. It's a good time. It's a good time to want to be in this industry, I think, because the opportunities are endless. I think a lot of entrepreneurial spirit has entered the industry. I mean, when I was, you know, I've been working with Chris for almost seven years now, and he's been doing affordable housing for how many years, Chris? 15, 20? 18. Um, I, I remember when nobody wanted to work on affordable housing projects. You know, it's not a sexy project. It's not glamorous work. You know, you're not working on a high profile tower. Yeah. Um, and now everybody wants to do it. So, um, you know, I guess with the institutional dollars flowing in and, you know, these aggressive groups that are making big splashes, it's an exciting it time. Is, it is. And I will say, um, you know, I, I get really hung up on like the aesthetics of what we do because we are building beautiful properties and we are working with like the, the outdoor amenities that we're putting in, like this project I was talking about in Sandy Spring, like that, it's going to be sick. And so I can't wait for people to drive by and look at our projects and just be stunned and I, and it allows me to say this is a for you know I mean it's the whole, the age old NIMBY like this right. is affordable housing you don't know what you're talking about you know but so we get to actually have like it's sort of blending now where our deals can also be the flashy deals because we're figuring out how to really like move the needle on quality and you know and push frankly push jurisdictions to like allow us to do that in some cases so speaking of which what is your uh, most memorable deal or funniest deal or oh god i've had trickiest so deal deals die i will tell you if can it well i have so many successes but i'm going to tell you about a, a non success is that okay okay perfect okay i nobody likes to talk about their failures yeah, this was an amazing okay amsterdam new york not sure if you're familiar with it amsterdam it, angry nope they are in the mohawk valley cute cool little upstate town you know there was a time when they had a bunch of headquarters there it's sort of like the town's kind of has seen better days and we had a really cool property under contract on the waterfront on the um on the erie canal and we had a partnership with a local italian businessman a restaurant owner who was going to do an italian restaurant there it was going to be so mixed use on the waterfront we had designed this gorgeous um waterfront you know outdoor amenity space. Um, everybody loved it. We had grants awarded um, and we didn't do a good job of um, playing politics. And I was ignorant at that and didn't know that we hadn't, you know, um, asked permission from the right people. And the whole very, very, very like well-supported project had the plug pulled on it because because of this, because of one individual um, who didn't who didn't like it and didn't feel like he was consulted, 
And oh. it was, it played out in the papers up there and in the like blogs and it was like intense. And I would get like, and it was just always like trying to pit like me against this individual. And I was just like, I felt it was so infuriating because it was such a good project and it had the community support and it had, but because of his influence, there were folks that were afraid and just said, it's easier to just let the deal die. And so this killer waterfront property four or five years later is sitting vacant right now with nothing on it. There's been nothing over there, no economic development, no development. And all of that money just went back into the, the state coffers and is sitting there, all the stuff that was awarded. And I, I mean, you guys think like I'm personable. I did everything I could to win this man over. And I don't think it was. Did you get him a stromboli? I did not. For me, it's per, it was personal because he was an elected official and he just, he's like, this isn't the right project and wouldn't hear it. And I did everything I could and I just failed it. Like I couldn't win him over. And it's like when you're one of these people that like needs to be liked, like me, you know, you're like outgoing and you're like, Give. that was just, that was so disappointing. I couldn't get him to see the vision or to understand like, you know, it was a honest mistake. And so that deal stays with me because it was like a, it's like a ghost deal that would, would have just been such a, so amazing yeah. and it didn't happen, but you know, it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger, said the wise Kelly Clarkson. Don't edit that out. She is the best. It shows me that real estate is always, even affordable real estate, affordable housing is all relationship driven, right? It's I mean, all relationship. The reason he didn't, he felt offended. You didn't talk to him. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So now I know better. You always learn from those mistakes and not every great deal is going to, is going to get funded and not every great deal is going to go forward. And that is like heartbreaking, but you know, then it just makes like the next really good one that does go forward that much better for you. And more meaningful. All right. Last question. Say there's a, a young person sitting in front of you interviewing for, to work for you as yeah. your analyst or something. What are you looking for in that person? Um, a sense of humor. Number one, like you better laugh with me or, and I know that's like for me and you're talking about like globally, what would like a developer be like? No, for? I want for you, for yeah. you specifically. For me, for Stacey, like in my, yeah, you better have a sense of humor and you better show up every day with that sense of humor because I think there are so many curveballs that happen every day. It is, the work is so dynamic. You are pretty good at a lot of things. You wing it at other things. You're great at some things like it is exhausting, but in, in the most fulfilling way. And so like, you cannot take that on every day. You cannot face the problems and challenges that we face in this job, in this role, unless you have a sense of humor. And so I think to me, like knowing that I can not, and not just like jokey, like, you know, laugh at my jokes or I'm not going to like working with you. It's like, you know, you can laugh stuff off. You can, like be like unbelievable. Like you can do that gesture and say, you know, like you just have to be able to like take it, you know, through that filter. So yeah, that's the first. A thing. good positive attitude yeah. goes along. Yeah. You're so good at like crystallizing and summing things up, Mike. I feel like <laughs> Chris, like Chris is. Chris taught, Chris taught me a long time ago that. I know. Is, so I really try to live. By I need that. to work on that. It's, I think it's Edgar Allan Poe said, brevity is the soul of wit. And I love that quote. Oh, it's I so love true. It. Yeah. 
but I haven't. I like, I like, I think it was, uh, it could have been Emerson who said, what is it? Who you are is so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. Ugh, that's totally me. (laughs) Mike, Mike, you. Stacey's going to go back and reevaluate her life now. You know, but it's like the person, you know, who you are comes across, like, you're obviously a a wonderful person, super big heart. You're so Um, nice. Thank you. I mean, you're saying that. No, I mean, I tell Mike all the time, like, we, we love you know, we met you, we loved you. It was like, wow, it was just like, this person's amazing. And you, you know, we want, we hung out with you all night. You and Zizzo or Ziz, Ziz. She just texted me. Zim. 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 Yeah. I'll tell, send her a picture of us. Uh, talking. Can I do that? Okay. She's yeah. going to be so jazzed. This is so funny. <laughs> we should have her hop on. <laughs> I know. Okay. I'll see if she touches. Yeah. What's, she's what are those? My, so she's my ride or die. We met in college. You know, everyone should have one of those. Stacy, amazing getting to know you better. Thank you for doing what you're doing and for, for hopping on our podcast. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Mike. You guys are fantastic recruiters. You guys, everyone should know you. 